Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's A Man of Means, Chapter 11, and the last chapter. But Ray, Daddy won't leave, she whispered. There's a turkey in the kitchen. He can take it with him, he said generously. She laughed and hugged him very hard. I can't believe this. Neither can I, he said, nuzzling his cheek against hers, his arms right. Even when I was suspicious of you, I couldn't bear you out of my sight. I still can't. This past week has been endless. I thought we could cool it for a few weeks while I got things into perspective. But the only thing I got into perspective was how lonely I was without you. He lifted his head, looked down into her wide wrap. I, I love my freedom, but not as much as I love you. And I love you, Ray. She said, I was lonely, too. I feel as if I've known you for centuries. <laughs> Same here, he replied. You're gonna make a good, we're going to make a good marriage. A very good marriage, she agreed. He lifted her face so that he could kiss her again. He did at length and very nicely until her father came out of the kitchen with a turkey leg in one hand and asked if there were plans to take the dressing out of the oven before it got any blacker. Ray told him there were news while Meredith took off a dead run to rescue dinner. Meredith worked out a two-week notice and gave up her job to the dismayed regret of her boss, who hadn't wanted to lose her. He did see that she couldn't have a husband in Jacobsville and a job in Houston. However... And he made them a wedding present of a beautiful faucetted crystal bowl. Mikey still offered her a job at his office, which she accepted with pleasure. On the understanding that she could work three days a week instead of six, Mike understood being a newlywed, since he and Callie were still newlyweds as well, even with a baby on the way. The only hitch was that all Ray's brothers got together to cover the wedding plans this dismay and Meredith's horror. It's going to be a humdinger of a wedding. Leo promised with relish, rubbing his hands together. Cag had this great idea for entertainment. I don't want to hear it. Ray said firmly, you'd love this. Leo continued on a minute. He's got this great hard rock band from Montana coming down to play their new hit record. They just had a hit single about getting married. He had it with a rakish grin. And they're having a caterer from San Antonio bring down the buffet lunch. The wedding gown is coming from one of the couture houses in Paris. But you don't even know my size. Meredith protests breathlessly. We looked in your dresses. He said imperturbably, got your shoe size too, and we also looked in your drawers and got the um, other sizes. He couldn't shiftly. Everything's in couture and silk, only the best for our new sister-in-law. He added sweepingly, Mary didn't know whether to laugh or scream. We booked you a room at a five-star hard tape for your honeymoon. He continued glancing at her. You still speak French, don't you? French? Meredith gasped. Well, your rooms are nice, he said. The French Rivera, you've got a suite overlooking the beach. Monaco is just on the day beach from there. Ray was not bad for a rush job. Uh, we try to be efficient. <laughs> Leo said in his eyes, twinkling. We even ordered her a trusty do for its formal gowns and casual clothes. Looks lots of pink and blues and soft beige colors. We thought pastel would suit her. Her mouth was open. She was trying to take it all in without fainting. She was only beginning to realize that the horror stories she heard from Tess about weddings in the brothers were true. He did kidnap Dory and tie her in a sack with ribbon and carry her home to Corgan. She gasped. He didn't have a Christmas present. Leo explained patiently. We gave him one. Look how well it worked out. You hoopblinkins. Huh. 
Our hearts are all in the right place, Leo Proud protested. Besides, Dory could bake, which brings us to Ted's. You could also bake. You blackmailed Callaghan in the Mariner. I heard Meredith was getting her second win now. He's very happy. So is Tess. And poor Tara. Tara. She continued on bed. You arranged her wedding and she didn't even get to choose her own gown either. <laughs> she was pregnant. We had to hurry. There was no time. Leo explained matter of fact. I am not pregnant. She explained red face. Leo gave her eh? a quick spec speculative glance. Yet, he replied and grinned. It would... If you would just give me a little time to organize my own wedding, you get exasperated and thought I'm being nipped to death by ducks. <laughs> Leo checked him. Sorry, I'm running late. The printer is waiting for me to check the proofs. Of what? She burst out. Oh, just the wedding invitations. We're overnighting them to the people we've invited. The governor's coming, so is the lieutenant governor. The vice president wanted to come, but he has to be in Singapore. He proudly checked his back pocket. There they are. I almost forgot the interview questions. Here. He handed Ray two folded sheets of paper. You'll have time to look them over before the camera crew just move in. Meredith and Ray trade one another. What camera crew? She asked. Just a few reporters. Leah waved them away with a lean in. You know, CNN, Fox, CNN International Press. Gotta run. International Press? Meredith choked. We've just signed an import-export deal with Japan. Didn't I mention it? Leo called back. They love organic beef, and we've got some. I mentioned it I mentioned it to our public relations people, and they called the news people for us. Your father's writing a statement we're giving them. He sure got away with words, hasn't he? He waved again, climbed into his truck, and sped off. Invitations, Maris said hotly. Clothes, honeymoons, reporters. <laughs> Now, now, he said, pulling her into her arm. You think of all the work they saved us. You'll have nothing to do but put dress, but dress, and say yes, and fly off to the river with your brand new husband. But, but, she put it, I want to marry you right away, he added. You're a quality health profession, professional, and I have a terrible pain that can cure it in only one night. She got the idea belatedly and hit him. He chuckled, bending against her dreamily. It's no use trying to stop them, he said. Besides, they're very good at it. I used to be, too. He scowled. Somehow, it's not as much fun being on the receiving end, though. She just shook her head. The wedding was beautiful. Despite her misgivings, Meredith wore the most gorgeous gown she'd ever seen, with yards and yards of exquisite lace over satin, with a long veil made of the same lace and a bouquet of pure white roses. Her father gave her away, and all four Ray's brothers were best men. Tess, Cag's wife, stood with Meredith as her matron of honor. In a very short time, the two women have become close friends. Most of Jacob Will turned out for the affair, but Meredith had eyes only for her handsome husband, who was dressed to the hilt as well. They exchanged rings, and Ray lifted the veil very slowly. He'd been romantic, he'd been romantic and gentle and teasing over the days before the wedding, but when he looked at her now, his eyes were quiet and loving and very solemn. He bent and kissed her with such tenderness that she knew she'd remember the moment for the rest of her life. They clasped hands and ran down the aisle and out of the church together, laughing gaily as they were pelted with rice and rose petals. At the waiting limousine, Meredith turned and tossed her bouquet. Surprisingly, it was caught by Janie Brewster, notorious locally for her rubber chicken dinners and trying to catch Leo Hart's eyes. She blushed vividly and clutched the bouquet, her eyes on it and not on any one. 
anyone nearby, which was well, which was as well because Leo looked suddenly homicidal as the ranch foreman elbowed him and grinned. The newlyweds waved and dived into the limousine, already packed and ready to take them to the airport. They already announced that the reception would have to go on without them, to the brother's shock and dismay. I hated for us to miss it. He told her on the way to the airport, but I know my brothers. They found some way to embarrass us. She chuckled, second glance, and well, we're safe now. The flight to France was long and boring. They held hands and couldn't sleep as couldn't sleep as the little computers above the seats marked the long trail on a map showing the progress of the flight. When the jumbo jet finally landed, they walked like zombies into the airport to go through passport control, then on to wait for the luggage so that they could get through customs into the waiting car that would take them to their hotel. The driver, holding a sign that read Hart Newlyweds, had met them at the gate and arranged to meet them at customs. Meredith was yawning visibly when they found the driver and followed him and the wheeled luggage out the door. He and Ray exchanged comments that went right over Meredith's head. I don't speak French, she said worriedly when they were in the car. I took a double minor in German and Spanish. No Latin. He teased, there's a special course of it for nursing, nursing students. She replied with smile. Fortunately, you don't have to learn the whole language anymore, although I wouldn't have minded. I'm so tired. <laughs> we'll have a nice long rest when we get to the hotel. He pulled I could use a little sleep myself. The car pulled up under the covered entrance, and a bellboy came out to get the luggage. Ray paid the driver and made arrangements to contact him when they were ready to go sightseeing. In a day or two, Meredith followed Ray and the luggage to the desk clerk and waited while he got the key to their suite. Didn't take long. Ray unlocked the door and opened it, and the bellhop burst into helpless laughter. There on the bed, very obviously courteous of the art boys, were two life-size blow-up dolls, a blonde female, dark-haired male, in the midst of a garden of throneless roses of every color known to man. They were obviously engaged in notorious newlywed ritual. Ray tipped the bell up and opened the door himself, waving the man out while he tried not to bend over, double laughing. When he closed the door again, Meredith was moving the dolls and roses with tears of mirth running down her cheeks. <laughs> Just wait until they break something at anything, she threatened. We can have them put in body cast first, brain ankle. They came up behind her, got around the way. And I'll help you, but later, sweetheart. He added in a soft, hungry tone as he turned her into some much, much later. She was a professional health care worker. She knew all the mechanics of marriage. In fact, she counseled young wives in them. This was totally out of her expertise. Ray undressed her with slow precision while he kissed every soft inch of her skin as he uncovered it. He never rushed. He seemed to have committed the whole night to her arousal and he went about it like a soldier with a battle plan. She was teased, caressed, kissed until she felt as if there wasn't a bet under her at all. The roses were scattered over the carpet by now, along with half the bed linen. She was under him and then over him as he increased the insistence of his hands and mouth on her body. She heard high-pitched little cries of pleasure and barely realized that they were coming from her own throat. One particularly enthusiastic embrace landed landed them on the carpet, cushioned by the sheet and blanket, and under them, the thick comforter. The bed? She whispered trembling with unsatisfied hunger. 
It will still be there when we're finished. He replied breathlessly as his mouth bent again to her taunt, aching breast. Yes, do that again, sweetheart. He added when she pulled his head down to her. He guided her hands along his lean, fit body to his hips and pressed them there as he suddenly shifted between her soft legs and his mouth ground into hers with intent. The abrupt shift in intensity took her by surprise and lessened the sharp pain of his possession of her. His hard mouth absorbed a tiny cry that pulsated out of her tight throat and his hands moved under her hips to caress her. After a few seconds, she began to relax. He shifted again and found the place and the pressure that made her lift toward him instead of trying to escape the downward rhythm of his hips. She clung to his damp shoulders as the little bites of pleasure became great shivering waves. She could feel him in every cell of her body and she wanted to look at him to see his face but she was tent on some distant goal of pleasure that grew by the second. Her mouth opened against the hollow of his shoulder and she moaned. Her eyes closed, her body following the lead of his own as the heated minutes lengthened, her nails suddenly stabbing into his back and she got Yes, he got her. Now, baby. Now. Now, his upper body had given him some secret signal. His hips became insistent, and the rhythm increased to madness. She reached, 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 until the pleasure exploded inside her and began to spread in raking hot waves from her head to her toes. She rippled with it, sobbed against the skin as the ecstasy she'd never known flamed through with hurricane force. Ray, she cried out pitifully as the wave peaked, and she felt her body go incandescent with joy. Her, his hands gripped her hips as he riveted her to his insistent hips. She heard his breathing become raspy and hoarse, and then stopped as he groaned endlessly against her throat, and his entire body convulsed over her. She felt him shake as the madness began to drift away. Are you all right? She whispered. I'm dying. He choked. Right? She held him close till the harsh contractions of his body slowed and then stopped. He collapsed on her with his whole weight, his breathing as labored as his heart beat, his mouth burrowing into her throat hungrily. Never like this, Mrs. Hart, he was growling. You just made me a whole man. Did I really? She whispered with a silly giggle. He laughed. That's what it felt like. He sighed heavenly, lifted his head to look at her. His hair was as damp as hers, and he looked exhausted. He brushed loose blonde hair, strands away from the tree. I'm glad we waited. I hope you are. Yes. Filled with wonder, she touched his hard mouth, which was swollen from its long contact with hers. I think I swallowed the sun. She was, it was glorious. She hid her face in his throat, still shy of him, especially now. He laughed again, lazily brushing his mouth over her clothes. Glorious, he agreed with a long sigh. He rolled away from her gently onto his back and pulled her again. We fell off the bed, he remarked after a minute. I thought we were thrown off it, she murmured sleepily. You know, by the hurricane. Hurricane, he kissed her forehead gently. That's what it felt like. I'm sleepy. Is it normal? Yes, it is. It has worlds for my masculinity, he drawled. Feel free to tell anyone you like that he ravaged me to such an extent that I fell out of bed in my excitement and he went to sleep from the tidal wave of pleasure. She made one tired little tug. I'll take out any ad in the magazine, she promised. She wrapped her arms and one leg around him, completely uninhibited now. I love you, but I have to go to sleep now. Do yourself, but I hope you're not thrown in the towel. My brand new bridegroom, remember? You can't just roll over and go to sleep once you've had your way with me. Meredith? Meredith?
it was no use. She was sound asleep, worn out by the pace of the wedding and her first passion. He lay watching her sleep, his eyes quiet and tender and loving. It had already been, he moves one hell of a wedding night, even if they hadn't waited for it to get dark. When she woke up, she was wearing a nightgown and lying on the bed under the covers. Ray was sipping coffee and snip. Sniffing freshly cooked food under silver lids, glanced up as Meredith sat up in bed and blinked her eyes sleepily. Supper? She asked again. Supper. Come and eat something. She pulled herself out of bed, feeling a little uncomfortable and grinning as she realized why. She sat down beside Ray, who was wearing a pair of blue silk pajama bottoms and nothing else, and looked under lids. Seafood? She said, smiling. My favorite. <laughs> Mine too. Dig in, honey. He reached over and kissed her softly and gave her a wicked grin. It's gonna be a long, lovely night. And it was. They came back to the ranch after several magical, wonderful days together to find the house deserted. There was a note propped up on the kitchen table, obviously left by Leo, because his name was signed to it. Goodbye, cruel world, it read. Have run out of biscuits, no relief in sight, can't go on. Have gone into Jakesville to kidnap a cook or beg door to door for biscuits. If I fail, drag the river. P.S. Congratulations, Meredith and Ray. Hope you like the wedding present, love, Leo. He wouldn't really kidnap a cook, Meredith said. Of course not, Ray grinned, but he had a very odd look on his face. Or beg door to door for a biscuit? Of course not, Ray repeated. Meredith went to the telephone. I'll call Dad. He waited while she dialed the cottage her father occupied and tapped his foot while it rang and rang. Dad? She asked suddenly. Have you seen Leo? There was a pause while Ray gestured with his hands for her to tell him something. She slapped the hand at him while she listened and nodded. Okay, Dad, thanks. Yes, we have. We had a lovely honeymoon. Well, have you up for supper tomorrow. Love you, too. She up and said, well, Leo's gone to San Antonio. What the hell for? He explained. Apparently, he walked out of Barber's Cafe with a cook in his arms and put him in the ranch truck. Him, Ray explained. Him, she said. The cook escaped out the other door and ran to get Chet Blake. The chief of police? Ray looked horrified. Chet was laughing so hard that he didn't get to the cafe before Leo took off in a cloud of dusk, barely escaping public disgrace. He tried to hire the little man to bake him some biscuits, but the cook refused, so Leo took harsh measures. She chuckled. Dad said he phoned halfway to San Antonio and said he'd be back in a few days. He thinks he'll go to the that genetics workshop until the heat dies down here. We'll never live that store down. Ray sighed, shaking his head. There is a solution, Shemak. We can find him a nice wife. He laughed, even though Leo's the one of us who had to be dragged to the altar behind a big horse. He told her for all that, Janie Brewster is desperate to marry him. He's an elusive as smoke. Janie's pretty, she recalled, because the girl caught her bridal bouquet at the wedding. She's a doll, but she can't boil water. Ray told her he'd never get a biscuit if he married Janie. Besides, she's not mature enough for him. She could change. She could. So could he, sweetheart. He dropped pulling her close to kiss him. But I wouldn't hold my breath in either case. Now here we are, at home, and all alone. And I'll give you one guess what I'd like you to do next. He whispered suggestively. She smiled on her lips. Would it have something to do with flour and olive oil and skim milk 
and a hot oven. She was Rebecca. He actually got darling. <laughs> explained the history even harder. She linked her arms around his neck. So, she whispered, moving closer. Just how badly do you want that pan of biscuits, sweetheart? She teased, chuckling. He bent and lifted her clear off the floor and turned down the hall. Let me show you. Eventually, he got a pan of fresh biscuits and a whole jar of fresh apple butter to go on them, along with a nice pat of low-fat margin. And he didn't even complain. The end. I know. Super cute. That's why I reread it for you, so you can actually understand what's going on.